Game Design for Dummies. Huh, looks interesting. Chapter 1 Here we go again. This is the War Games Orchard. Happy New Year, everybody. It's Nathan and GJ with you today. We're going to have a little bit of fun with the idea of New Year, New Army. We're going back and making some themed armies that haven't yet existed in Warhammer Fantasy, at least not officially. Before we do that, let's hit on some New Year hobby and news. GJ, what is on your tables these days? Way too much, as usual. Um, I have been working on a unit of 24 5th edition Source Warriors for the past few painting sessions, at least. I don't know what it will... At least since last year, I can honestly say. Um, but uh, I don't know when last we spoke. Was I still working on the Ogres back then? You were, yeah. Okay, well, the Ogres are finished now. So, oh, excellent. Uh, and, and, and then I moved on to uh, the block of 24 Source Warriors. Um, I did them using mostly contrast, but I had already undercoated them white before I got my first contrast paints. So uh, it was a bit of a test for me to see how it would turn out, but it, it works pretty well over a white undercoat. It gives them a bit, uh, makes them a bit shiny, which is not too bad for sources. They can be uh, of the younger generation. And uh, I got the fifth edition Metal Command group with them, uh, at least the standard bear and the musician. Uh, the champion I converted from a regular source warrior and I gave him a, a weapon and a head of one of the later 6th edition ones, uh, which actually looks pretty good. Uh, better than I expected. Nice. What's, um, what's, yeah, the, uh, what's the color scheme that you like for your Saurus? Because you can I do pretty use, much anything for, with uh, them. Yeah, you can do anything for them. Um, well, I, I, had, I, I did go a little bit towards the, the box art. Um, I had already painted up some skinks and I did those uh, blue, like bright blue, uh, the enchanted blue with the uh, yellow crests. And uh, for the sources, I wanted them to be uh, also that a uh, little bit bluish, but also green. So I used the contrast paint uh, Creed Camo, I believe it's called, for the for the body, and the. Turquoise, I believe, for the scales. I don't know. I should look it up. I, I have it written down somewhere. So they have, they, they are like um, the the Creed game was a bit like the uh, what does it compare to uh, the, the Lauren Forests um, for the non-contrast paints and and Strachan Green. So uh, not not really that bright Goblin Greens, not green, but a little bit more muted, more towards the. Uh, the beige end of the green spectrum, and uh, the, um, then the, the the scales on the back they are a little bit more sea blue, sea green, um, yeah, those kind of colors. So I, I should probably just uh, show you a picture. <laughs> I think that would work better. Oh, that's uh, good. That sounds like kind of a, a classic Saurus color scheme. So yeah, yes. that and a lot of gold for the details and. Uh, uh, some of the weapons I did obsidian uh, to struggle a little bit on how to do that, and eventually decided on doing them um, with uh, blacks and and a little bit of green and then some heavy black ink washing over that. 
and then still wasn't shiny enough for me, so I gave them a gloss varnish. But now I think they might even be too shiny. So yeah, I'm I'm not sure about the obsidian, but uh, there are many ways to do it, and and none of them seem to quite hit the mark exactly right. That's a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that, and then I have been uh, working on some terrain pieces, uh, mostly also with the help of my uh, little two-year-old hobbit, who absolutely loves painting, and for a two-year-old, painting means getting a brush and holding it flat and spreading the paint across the surface, but that works perfect when you need to paint river sections or forest floors or uh, did some, some big hills today. You just uh, splash on some green paint and, and that uh, let my daughter go at it and she loves it and uh, I love that she's loving it so uh, yeah I got a little uh, war gamer in the making there that's adorable I love that so much I just have this picture of, of you just sitting her down with a bucket of green paint and a giant brush <laughs> and just like by the end of the uh, session half of your floor is, is goblin green and, and a little bit of the walls and a little bit on the terrain <laughs> as well <laughs> Yeah, and all of herself, of course. Oh, of course. <laughs> no, she, she's rather rather careful. Uh, she knows that she could, she's not allowed to paint on the table, and we put some uh, some plastic on there. And uh, she's also, what I'm not going to say is germaphobe, because I don't think kids are ever germaphobes, but whenever she has something on her hands, she's like, uh-oh, it's dirty, and it has to be cleaned off right away. And uh, so when she gets paint on her fingers, then she immediately wants it cleaned wow you've got like a super two-year-old there <laughs> that is incredible <laughs> i've never met and i've i've met a lot of kids that used, used to be a children's librarian and i have not ever seen one two-year-old that was ever the least bit concerned about having something on their hands that's usually when they want to give you a hug <laughs> yeah. yeah that's true um well i guess my kid's special then but i think every parent thinks it's about his kid probably Probably. I, I've, I have met a few parents that, that seem to think their kids were quite gifted. And sometimes you look at them and you're just like, mm-hmm, sure. Yeah. Sure, right. yeah. That's a, you, you mean that, yeah. that kid licking the walls over there? Yeah, that's a... He's, that's, <laughs> a real oh, he's got to be a professor, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I could tell you some horror stories about children licking things. It's not good. Not good. They, they were not shy, uh, some of them. Well I, I wouldn't mind hearing those horror stories, but we have to ask ourselves, is this really the way to kick off 2022 <laughs> on the Wargames Orchid podcast? <laughs> Probably not. This is, I, I don't know. I haven't done a listener survey on, on if they want more stories about uh, children licking inanimate objects. Uh, you know i probably should have done that research i apologize in advance so if you were hoping for that we're probably just gonna stick to warhammer for now uh you know email me though if you want that and we'll we'll make a hard pivot and uh, <laughs> from now on it'll just be kids licking stuff that's that man that sounds so much worse than i wanted it to let's just move on let's do you have any could, other could hobby stuff YouTube channel? yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I have already um, mentioned, I believe, in the, in the last episode that I have enrolled myself in a uh, painting challenge to get some 4th uh, edition uh, models painted. In my case, I'm going for high elf models. And I have uh, those models primed and ready to go, uh, but I want to finish my Source Warriors first before I begin. Um, 
this is the uh, gathering of mighty painters um which is a a very grand name for a well very nice challenge with uh, 15 or 16 participants um a couple of guys you know are in there as well we have uh ted gunnison who did the uh, chaos dwarf army for the crown of command he's, he's doing some more chaos dwarfs uh joshua from the crown of command podcast he is uh, doing high elves as well uh, we have marcel from germany uh, who is uh, i believe doing empire one well, and then a couple of others and uh, it's just relaxed laid back uh, just to uh, slay the gray a little bit so um, yeah i, I like uh, having those challenges and deadlines and uh, doing stuff like that i've been thinking about what i'm going to do for the uh, january painting competition on the uh, war games orchard page so lots of things that i have planned and they have already passed a couple of days of january so maybe i should uh, be painting instead of talking to you here yeah that's quite a list of stuff you got going on there uh speaking of the orchard paint competition that was an excellent segue thank you uh, <laughs> that is uh, that is kicking off as it does every month. I'm actually going to have that up today. So when you're listening to this podcast, the new challenge is going to be up. And this one was an idea that you had, GJ, and that uh, I borrowed for for the paint challenge. And it is a new year, new job. So we're looking for uh, models and miniatures who are are trying something new. You know, they've they've gotten on the New Year's resolution. Uh, so I'm looking for orc dentists. I'm looking for uh, elven garbage collectors. I'm looking for anything. It could be on battlefield jobs or off battlefield jobs. So if you wanted to make, say, you know, an ogre mage apprentice with a you know a really tiny mage hat on top of his big ogre head, and he's just waving a stick around and trying to cast some spells, I would love to see that. So it's anything, anything like that. So I want to see models that are trying out something new, uh, either some kind of new battlefield role, perhaps, or even uh, something a little bit more mundane or something just completely out there. So that is what our challenge is this month. Uh, you find all the details on the Warhammer Orchard Facebook page. Did you have any other hobby stuff to move on or uh can i uh what do you mean in? it wasn't enough <laughs> yeah i mean it is enough <laughs> but i don't know like maybe you've you you do so much dj that i don't know well i i plan a lot of things but then i <laughs> get distracted and start something else uh, in between no i i don't have anything else that i have uh, uh to discuss right now at this moment so uh just uh, those things that I mentioned. So please go go ahead. What's in your hobby desk, Nate? All right. Well, I'm I'm so glad you asked. I have a game coming up for the first Ooh. time in forever. Yeah, uh, getting together with my buddy Patrick. Uh, we have been kind of on opposite paths for a while. He is in the Navy, so he was doing boat stuff. Uh, that's the technical term for being in the Navy and what you do there. And uh, I've been in school, so we haven't had any time to play any games, but we're going to get together tomorrow and we're going to do some uh, 40k second edition. We're going to play some uh, orcs versus ultramarines and have some fun with that. He's been building and collecting a bunch of authentic second ed terrain, so I'm very excited nice. to see that. 
And yeah, it'll be it'll be a good time. Second Ed is always just an absolute blast because you never know what's going to happen one turn to the next. The other thing, I guess, is that I have uh, released a video on the War Games Orchard YouTube channel. Uh, if you search War Games Orchard, you'll find it, or you can search Lost Warhammer, which is kind of the new series that I'm doing. The first episode is about Lizardmen because everything should be about Lizardmen, but the world won't let me have that beautiful dream, so I just sneak them in where I can. And this episode is all about the very silly special characters of 5th edition, the Lizardmen Army book, all of the fun names, Eensy Weensy, Teeny Weeny, and uh, all of uh, their adventures and things. So if you want a nice little retrospective, it's about seven minutes long, and uh, I don't even want to mention how long I spent editing it and putting it together. <laughs> I probably could have done like well worth it, six uh, podcasts in that time. Very enjoyable. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad you liked it. I'm hoping people like it. It's all for fun. And uh, I just want to kind of build up my, my video skills as well as my, uh, you know, editing and production skills. So that's kind of what these videos are about. But if people enjoy them, uh, then I will try and make as many as I can. It's going to be tough with me going back to school, but uh, I've got kind of a, a at least a basic setup now. So I can hopefully my goal is one video a month. I don't know if that's going to work or not, but it is what I'm going for. So please do check that one out uh, if you uh, are in two fifth edition Lizardmen or if you're just into silly Warhammer stuff. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably into silly Warhammer stuff because I don't know if we do other things here, really. <laughs> <laughs> than silly Warhammer stuff. Yeah, I think that's going to be about it. I can't really it. think of anything, no. No, I know, right? That's, <laughs> that's about it. It's uh, yeah. So now we can move on to the silly Warhammer stuff. Because uh, I've, I've done a little bit of painting, but not not too much, mostly for the uh, War Games Orchard challenges. Uh, the vote for December is going to be up soon on the Facebook page. So if you want to see our entries, I think we got like five or six entries, which isn't too bad for a month where everyone is super distracted. Uh, if you want to see those entries, check us out there and hang out with yeah, us. There were some really good ones. There really was, yeah. Yeah, I'm always stunned by the stuff that people send in. And it's humbling as well because I'm just like, wow, everyone is better than me. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, you know what? That's exactly what I want, though. I, I, I knew that from the start, and that's exactly what I want to see. I want to see really super creative people do super creative things, so. Uh, it's been a great success, and uh, if you haven't joined us already, join us for this month. Make it a New Year's resolution. People always keep those, so yeah, I'm sure you'll you'll keep that and uh, join us on the Super Serious Paint Challenge. Speaking of super serious stuff, let's move on to our main topic today. We have built a couple of alternate armies. So on the show a while back, we took a look at our favorite themed armies from 6th edition. 6th edition was kind of a odd edition, and I could say that about every edition for some reason or another, but 6th edition, in the earlier half of it, Games Workshop was big in putting themed lists in their army books. And these were very restrictive lists, but they were really fun ways to play your army in a different style. So for example, uh, Skaven would have a list for Clan Eshin, that's all assassins and gutter runners. Or for uh, Clan Pestilence, which was all plague monks and, and stinky things. 
And so we've we've taken that and we've taken Games Workshop's love of marketing New Year, New Army. And we thought, well, we can make new armies and we'll make new themed armies that Games Workshop has neglected to make for some time. So, GJ, we've got three of them because you've, uh, being the, the keener, the head of the class as you are, you have made two and I have made one. Uh, so do you want to start us off with your, your first one and then yeah, we'll sure. kind of go back and forth? Yeah, well, uh, I actually, when you first proposed this, I immediately had four IDs for armies. And I, I discarded two of them, but I do want to mention them briefly. Uh, the first one was based on my all-time favorite video game, Dark Omen, which is a Grudgebringers army, uh, an Empire mercenary army with all the units that you can play in the game. But then I realized, well, this is basically what you can already do in 4th and 5th edition. You have an Empire army list uh, with with your cannons and your cavalry and your crossbows and infantry and everything and you can add some dwarves and you can add some ogres and the rest of the units that you should need in the game you can take as allies so there's not really any point in making that Grudgebringers army uh, then the other one i thought of was uh, the tomb kings also one of my uh, favorite armies but then in their heyday before the um, the rise of Nagash and before the, the great curse that turned everything living into dead and everything dead into undead. Uh, but that is just basically a human army uh, with, well, all the same units as the Tomb Kings have, uh, your, your chariots and your cavalry and your infantry, but then give them human profiles, which would make them much better at shooting with that rule that they always hit on their unmodified ballistic skill. Uh, but the problem with that is that it's also rather unimaginative and you would have to put them in a place in the timeline where they could not feasibly fight another army, except maybe for like elves or dwarves or lizardmen, uh, definitely not the later armies that you, uh, that you have, the later human races, because they just weren't that developed yet at that point. So I narrowed my list of four down to two and one of them is a little bit more fleshed out which is the army of Musidon and the other one I will uh, save for later. Now what I have thought up of the army of Musidon and as you may know Musidon is a uh, city, a dukedom in Bretonia and it is a cursed place. There are vampires there, there are undead there. Uh, it is surrounded by swamps which have treacherous pathways that can trick you into drowning, it has plants that have uh, poisonous spores, uh, basically not a, not a good place to be. But some people are there and um, I think they can form up an army. So for the army of Musulon, I have uh, the following lords. One of them is, uh, well two of them are special characters, that's Duke Merovich the Butcher which is an, in the current ruler of the uh, Dukedom of Musilon. He is a vampire, a blood dragon vampire, it says specifically in the lore. Uh, and I thought, well, just make him a blood dragon vampire lord, uh, mounted on a steed. I have no idea, I have not had time to think about any magic items or special rules for him. 
but there's definitely something that I can come up with if you give me a little bit more time. Uh, the other one is um, uh, the other Duke, which is Duke Mellowboard. Uh, he has nicknamed the Serpent. He's um, thought to be the bastard son of uh, King Du and Leoncur. Uh, he's also a Blood Dragon Vampire Lord on his deed. Uh, we'll probably have to give him some other special rules, but also have not thought about those. Then for Lord Choices, uh, Blood Dragon Vampires, a, um, um, and for a Wizard, I thought let's do the uh, Bretonian Damsel, the, the, the Prophetess, but make it a Black Prophetess, which is basically a Master Necromancer, except that you use a female model for it. And then for Hero Choices, I have also another special character, Lord Orcasin, which is also one of the vampires there. Um, he is uh, more concerned with things like uh, art and stuff behind the scenes. I could not find which bloodline he has. He, he sounds like more of a necrarch with the, with the plotting, but I think he should also be a blood dragon vampire. Um, then for other heroes, your regular blood, blood dragon vampire hero. You can have uh, white kings, you can have black paladins, which are your Bretonian hero level paladins. Except that, well, these are alive characters in the mostly undead army. And uh, the Black Damsel, which is the hero level of the Necromancer. Then for core units, we have uh, Zombies and Skeletons, Bretonian Peasant Archers, Bretonian Men-at-Arms and Mounted Yeomen. And uh, what I read was that a lot of Beastmen also lived nearby and also died. And some of those Beastmen turned into Zombies and Skeletons, so... Your skeletons and your zombies, they should have some beastmen zombies and some beastmen skeletons in there. I don't know if the models exist, but that would be cool if they could could be uh, put in there. And uh, the skeletons, um, like the Tomb Kings, they may also have bows, because you have, of course, the Bretonian archers. So um, these can also uh, have bows in my in my list and and uh, they can even be the bretonian longbows mm -hmm. uh, for special yes. choices i have a black knight which may use the lance formation knights errant knights of the realm but they may both not have the blessing of the lady just as regular bretonian units should have and i also put in clan rats because i read that the swamps around musulon are also infested with skaven and for rare units, I um, have a small selection, uh, a unit of the Black Grail 0-1, which are basically your Grail Knights, except that those have fallen from grace. A unit of 0-1 Blood Knights, uh, well, not a unit of 0-1, but 0-1 units of Blood Knights. And a unit uh, of uh, Graveguards, which I put in the rare slot because I did not know anything else to do with them like maybe uh, have these be your your old third edition food knights except well third edition has died and probably these grave guards too and then resurrected uh, i did think of some army special rules for this all of the undead units they follow the regular rules for undead just as vampire counts which means no marching except when the general is near and everything the general must be a vampire and because, well, it's the whole place is ruled by vampires, so even if you play on a uh, 
small battle size, you have to take a hero level vampire to be a general. I decided to introduce some special terrain, uh, being the treacherous swamps. And they work as follows, and I have no idea if this is balanced or not, but that's not what we are talking about here, right? That's right. <laughs> treacherous swamps. After deployment, the Musulam player places a single swamp on his half of the battlefield. And this may be inside his deployment zone if he wishes so. At the start of each Musulan turn, the swamp moves 2d6 inches in a random direction to represent the treacherous terrain and false path made by the plant Swamp Mat, which is actually a thing in the lore. Any non-undead unit, including Musulan troops, partly within the swamp, take d6 strength 4 hits with no armor saves allowed due to the poisonous pollen of the Musulan Bros, which is that plant that spreads poisonous pollen. So you have a swamp that's basically moving around the battlefield and it can hurt you as much or maybe even more as it can hurt your opponent. But I like those random things. And speaking of random things, one last rule. That is called the living join the dead. If a living trooper dies, he has a chance of joining the ranks of the undead. For each peasant bowman, man-at-arms, yeoman, clan rat, or knight of any kind that dies, roll a d6, and on a 6 he comes back to life and can be added to an undead unit within 8 inches of the following type. Any trooper may be added to a zombie unit, any knight may be added to a unit of black knights, and a black grill knight may be added to a unit of blood knights. If no sustainable targets are present within 8 inches, the undead wander around aimlessly and take no further part in the battle. That's it for my list. Wow. I am so impressed by how much you've delved into the lore here. This is so cool. So there's a lot to unpack about this list. <laughs> uh, so I want to start with... Shall I send it to you uh, real quick? <laughs> uh, so I, yeah, I want to uh, send, start with the... Beastman and the Skaven, because these ideas I find super cool. So you've already got me with the living fighting alongside the dead. That is one of my favorite aesthetics. I absolutely just adore that. Uh, and it makes perfect sense for, for Musalon. You've got your HQ, uh, your, your uh, lords, your vampire lords. That's, I mean, that's kind of a, a freebie. But I love how you got into the surrounding environments there. Now, the Skaven, they are dead, right? The, the, the ones that would be in this army? No, they should not be. Okay. 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 So they're, they are... They, 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 they uh, unless I misread it, but uh, these are, uh, I think these are your regular uh, run-of-the-mill Skaven clan rats um, just out of the Skaven book. Let's see if I can find it real, real quick. Okay. So from a lore perspective, then, the, the Skaven would, would be basically allied with the vampire rulers of Musalon. Yes. Ah, yeah. okay. See, that, that adds a new interesting dynamic onto itself. One of the things I was thinking of as well when you mentioned the, the Beastman zombies, which is a super cool aesthetic, is that I would very much love to see uh, a slightly changed profile for for those zombies now you could have them mixed in right and have it a, as an aesthetic yeah. thing i think it'd be really cool to have specifically Separate like gore units. zombies that are maybe tough for zombies like keep the rest of the profile and then maybe bump them up a couple of points 
Um, I have been thinking about that, or maybe giving the uh, mixed units some extra rules, like uh, giving the front rank of models an extra attack or something. But uh, I have not really had the time to work that out in more detail. But yeah, I completely agree that your Beastman Zombies and Beastman Skeletons, that they uh, should have something extra, especially if you make them into entire units. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, and I know you've, yeah, you've, you've been busy, so I do want to say that this army would be perfect for just a couple of, of fun magic items as well. Uh, you'd have to put the False Grail in this army yes yes definitely i'm not sure what uh, what you would have that do other than maybe causing i wonder if you would it would be some kind of interaction with bretonia would be a a no-brainer there but i think it should do more than that right like this is kind of the this is the thing that kind of damned musalon right so this is this should be a very powerful artifact maybe something that um Maybe something that heals the vampire that's carrying it, kind of uh, Isabella von Karstein style, would be fun. Ooh, I like that so much. Uh, yeah. The other thing I would love to see as well is because Bretonia is so big on its banners. Uh, some kind of banner that's the the kind of dark equivalent of the banner of the lady, right? For your yes, something your like that, units, or, or yeah. something that that if you have a, like the banner of the false grail, that will give you a sort of corrupted version of the blessing of the lady or maybe just for that unit like uh, give him a uh, five plus ward save uh what, what is it a six plus ward save against anything and a five plus ward save against strengths five or higher in uh, six edition but um give it also some downside or, or something that if the the unit saves it ward save that they will um I don't know what will happen then. That they will maybe transfer the wounds to uh, the nearest enemy, uh, sorry, the nearest friendly unit or something like that. Yeah, I like that as a kind of sort sort of a downside, but but basically a corrupted version of of yeah. this, right? Yeah, yeah, where it's it's instead of defending the weak, you're you're passing on the the wounds that you suffer to the weak. I like that actually. Yeah, that, something that's like a that. Really cool yeah. idea for. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, this is this is really neat. So you you've actually taught me some things about Musalon that I did not know, uh, as well, far well, as I, the lore I, went. I here. have to admit that mostly I went into the uh, Warhammer Fantasy fandom pages, and they have a a nice entry about Musalon, and which is mostly based off of the uh, I believe it's the second edition uh, fantasy roleplay scenario or or campaign book or knights of the grail and mostly everything that's on there is based out of off of three pages from that book uh i, I did look up some of the special characters the, the ones that i turned into special characters and they have more um more entries they are uh, uh some of them are also mentioned in the uh fantasy roleplay or in the the Warhammer army books in the end times books um in the what is it I, I believe i saw some of the Warhammer fantasy novels actually in there as well this uh black library recently released an omnibus of the knights of bretonia and i believe some of that is also um taking place in musulon it's uh 
it's it's the books uh, Night of the Realm, Questing Night and Grill Night, just off the top of my head. Uh, I have not read them yet. I, I have a lot of Warhammer books, but I have not read them. Uh, they, they are somewhere on my to-do list after I finish uh, reading all the other stuff I still have to read. But uh, yeah, that's um, most of the things that I found on there, on that page, are out of those kinds of books. So uh, Warhammer Roleplay, some snips out of the army books, stuff like that. Nice, nice. That's really good background information there. I'll have to keep my eye open because I've never read anything as far as novels go from a Bretonian perspective. So reading those three would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I believe the uh, the book is uh, is for sale now. In it, it it was on pre-order in November, I believe. So it it should not have sold out already, should it? I mean, a lot of those books that they have those those Warhammer Chronicles omnibuses. They have sold out and, and they can't be found anywhere. And, well, I'm a bit of a collector. No, I'm not a bit of a collector. I'm a lot of a collector. So I also want all those books. But for some reason, uh, a lot of them are very difficult to obtain. They they have only been released for a little while. And they are still on the uh, on the Black Library site, available as ebooks. But and most of them have not uh, are not for sale as regular paperback, which is what I prefer over ebooks. So I hope that when the old world drops, that a lot of those books will also get a, a, another re-release. It'd make a lot of sense to me because you'll have a lot of people coming into the hobby for the first time who obviously won't have read or or interacted with the lore to the quite that deep a point uh so yeah hopefully we see there's i mean there's what like 35 36 i, I don't remember when they started doing warhammer books but it was it was very very early on yes uh, yeah. that they they started having novels written in the setting and some of those early novels are fantastic the uh the genevieve novel is always one of my favorite ones and i think that one is from 1990 or 1991 or maybe even earlier than that it's it's ridiculous yeah earlier old. it's uh it's it's uh, i i have um I, I, you know i like excel and lists and everything so uh, i have the um uh, genevieve books uh listed here and the earliest one is from uh, 1989 dragon Fells, and then you have 1991 and 1993 and they got a re-release in uh, uh, 2001 and 2002. That's when I would have picked it up. Is yeah, 2001 or 2002. Yeah. Uh, Drakenfels was the one I owned. I, th- I think I read the other ones as well. But yeah, that's like 1989. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. That is early days. Yeah, no, for sure. some some others of that era. But I believe that's sort of when they started. I believe some of the earliest are. Um, like short story anthologies and let's see if i can find them here real quick uh, no i don't know where they are there, there are a lot of the, well with all the white spaces and titles and everything there's over uh 400 lines in this excel sheet oh, oh, 550 lines um of text and most of them are individual books so we are talking quite a library here. No kidding. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
Yeah, I as far as anthologies go, the Hammers of Ulrich, I think, is one of my absolute favorites. And I feel like that's a, quite an old one as well, now that I think about it. But yeah, there'll, there'll be a lot of... I, I have it here. Sort of trying to uh, compose a care package to send to Canada to uh, Scott and you, and uh, that one's going in there. So I can check it out real quick. Um, well, this one is... 2000 Hammers of Ulrich. Oh, it's it's that old. Okay. Yes. Yeah, or sorry, it's not, that young, I should say. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. not that old. Oh, okay. Uh, For some it's, reason it's I thought it was 90s, but 22 yeah. years old, but uh, I mean, yeah, I suppose it is kind of old now, but you know. It's yeah. not it's not old in my mind. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, in my mind, the like the year 2000 just happened, so Yeah. It's uh, sixth edition. Uh, I mean, still playing it. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously yeah. it's still going, so yeah, it's fine. Well, Nathan, uh, maybe if I can take a, a tiny moment before we move on to your list. Um, we are recording this on January 3rd. And I don't know if you know this, but the uh, Talking Society has this uh, little custom that on January the 3rd, uh, whatever time zone you have at 9 p.m., you uh, raise your glass to Professor Tolkien because it's his birthday today. It's 130th birthday. And I, I know there's a bit of a time difference of five hours, but uh, it's almost nine o'clock here. So would you join me in a toast to Professor Tolkien? Absolutely. It didn't even need to be his birthday, and I'm into it. And <laughs> as luck would have it, my liquor cart is right beside my recording closet. Uh, yeah, that's a coincidence, by the way. And uh, yeah, uh, happy I am little more than happy to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I had no idea about that. Uh, yeah, I saw it on Facebook. Uh, otherwise, I would not have known it either. I think Tolkien but... was a whiskey guy, or at least that's what I'm going to say, because that was what was easily uh, accessible. <laughs> well, I got beer here, so that's uh, that's going to do for today. It can even be non-alcoholic, they say. At the uh, Oh, well, it's too late for that society, now. <laughs> so... <laughs> All right. Well, cheers to Professor to Tolkien. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool, GJ. I had no idea it was his birthday, and uh, what a what a great way to uh, to honor him as well. I mean, honestly, that's yeah, how well, I would want people to honor me. Uh... <laughs> Just have <laughs> a drink. It's what Frodo did with with Bilbo. That even uh, after Bilbo had gone, uh, Frodo kept celebrating Bilbo's birthday. So that's why they they took up that custom. I don't know when it started, but it's. Uh... I think it's fitting because uh, if it weren't for for Professor Tolkien, then probably you and I wouldn't be sitting here talking about Warhammer right now. It would be very unlikely because, I mean, Warhammer has borrowed more than a few things from Tolkien, and that is putting it very generously. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Well, uh, happy birthday uh, to Professor Tolkien. I am uh, sure he is... Uh, smiling down from the undying lands at us and everyone uh, celebrating his birthday today. All well right, said. well, uh, speaking of undying things, look at these smooth transitions today. Uh, we're <laughs> going to talk about some elves, and uh, they are not in the undying lands, unfortunately, because I think they'd have a lot less problems if they, if they were. We're going to talk about uh, the Court of the Everqueen, so the Defenders of Avaloran. And this is a, an idea that I honestly got from uh, Total War, because the Everqueen is one of the legendary lords, and 
I actually just really enjoy the color scheme of her army in that game. They've got kind of a green scheme going on, which I really like for high elves. So if I ever do high elves, I think I will uh, try and make the army of Avalorn. And uh, I designed this around 8th edition, but you could use it kind of anywhere. And it's, it's a little bit of a marriage between bits of the High Elf book and bits of the Wood Elf book. And if you're not big on the fluff around Avaloran, it is a little bit like the forest of Athaloran in the Old World. It's a magical forest. It's not quite the same type of thing. It's, it's nowhere near as big or as wild or as dangerous as Athaloran is, right? Athaloran's a really kind of unchained, or I guess chained beast, because the, the elves uh, kind of keep the forest in check so that it doesn't just spread over all of Bretonia. But Avaloran is kind of the, the chill magical forest in comparison to Athaloran. So the, the things that live there, the, the spirits and things, aren't quite as, as malevolent and mischievous as they are in uh, Athaloran. And the big thing that goes on in Avaloran is that that is where Alariel keeps her court, and she is the Ever Queen, which is kind of the, one of the dual leaders of High Elf society. High Elves have the Phoenix King and the Ever Queen. The Phoenix King looks after matters of state and matter of war, matters of war. The Ever Queen is the spiritual leader of the High Elves, so she looks after their uh, religion, their well-being in terms of like a spiritual and on the level of a of a people. And she is kind of the the chosen of Aisha, whereas the Phoenix King is the chosen of Azurian. And so the the difference in those two gods kind of illustrates the the difference in the between the king and the queen. Now for Alariel I wanted to do something that was kind of a limited high elf list, but also to feature some of those spirits and creatures that roam through Avaloran. Avaloran is home to a lot of things that you just don't find in numbers kind of anywhere else. So it's, again, like Athaloran in that regard. Now, to start things off, uh, for Lord Choices... We have, of course, Alariel the Radiant as the main lord choice. If you're playing a big game, I also put Tyrion in here with the caveat that he may only be taken if Alariel is present in the army. And I know that's like 800 odd points of, uh, between the two of them, but it's for big games. So, you know, if you're playing like 3,000, 4,000 points, take Alariel and take her, her uh, champion, Tyrion, her, her consort. And uh, then I, I did want to put in a generic leader as well, but I wasn't 100% sure on that, so I, I may go in and take that out later, I don't know. Uh, but I have the Archmage, because it seemed like the most appropriate choice. Uh, I figured that Alariel being a very, very powerful wizard, uh, her court is generally made up of... Um, well, it's generally made up of elves that are her in her service. And so I thought she should have some mages that would seek her out and, and serve her. So that's why I've got the archmage in there. Don't know if I love it uh, as a choice, but...
but I also didn't want to always have to force people to take Alariel. Uh, for heroes, we have, of course, the Handmaiden of the Everqueen. And I have given her a special choice, uh, or a special upgrade, that she may ride a unicorn for 60 points. Uh, and we're going to get more onto kind of the unicorn theme later. But the one of the big things with Alariel and, and her magic and everything, she is all about life magic and healing. And for the unicorns, it just... It's too, it's too good of a fit for this army to to say that they couldn't take them. Plus, you've got the lore reasons for for Avalorn to have these rarer magical creatures, but the magical creatures that aren't you know tainted by chaos, the the more good creatures, I suppose. Uh, and then the other hero choice is a mage, and that just kind of works off of the same thought process that the archmage did. And then we have the core units. So our first core unit is called Shield Maidens, and uh, they are counts as Lothern Seaguard. I wanted to put the Lothern Seaguard in there because I think the way of fighting that they have, where they have the bows and the spears, really fits with the theme of the army. But it doesn't make sense for Lothern Seaguard to be just palling around with Alariel all the time in uh, Avalorn, which is quite a ways from Lothern. So I just renamed them to Shield Maidens, and lore-wise, they are kind of the recruits that will later move on to become the Sisters of Avalorn, who are the kind of really elite. Uh, the other one is Courtiers, and these are Counts as Archers. So the way that the Everqueen lives in Avalorn is pretty cool. She actually has kind of a big carnival like thing where they set up silken tents and they just move around to the forest the enchanted forest and they they hold revelries and it's got a very kind of fairies in midsummer night's dream feel to it and so i figured the courtiers would be those who she would recruit you know if, if avalorn was threatened they're not necessarily the the warriors of her uh band but since every elf is trained in the citizen militia, they would be able to to fight as units of archers. And then I got a little bit creative for this next one, and I wanted to add some forest spirits. But the forest spirits that are in the Wood Elf book aren't necessarily appropriate here. Dryads are a little bit too mean, a little bit too spiteful as far as uh, lore goes. And like the Treekin are very, by 8th edition, have a very set lore that only works in Athelorn. And then, of course, the tree men are just so wood elf that, you know, I didn't want to steal that thunder. Uh, so I kind of went back to the well for spirits, and I came across the Naiads. And they're really fun. They are basically the water equivalent of the, the wood nymphs that are the dryads. So these are, are kind of female-esque water spirits. And I even wrote up a little thing about them here. Avalorn is home to many ancient spirits. From the crystal streams that run through the forest come the naiads. Their graceful feminine forms are vaguely elven, but their skins are vibrant, are vibrant blues and greens. Naiad bodies seem to grow out of the very waters in which they dwell. The naiads are largely disinterested in mortal affairs, being more likely to spend the time studying patterns on a turtle's shell or counting tadpoles than getting involved in the great conflicts of the world. Nevertheless, the Everqueen of Avalorn has the ability to summon them away from their ponds and streams and compel them to march with her to defend their beloved waters. 
Naiads are a bizarre sight on the battlefield. They don't so much march as they flow across the ground like rainwater. In combat, they draw water from the earth and spray it with terrific force at the enemy. More than one heavily armored foe has been found face down and drowned inside their seemingly inviolate helm. And the way you play these is they play as dryads, but they have minus one toughness. Uh, however, their close combat attacks do minus two uh, uh, armor penetration, basically. Uh, minus two to armor saves any close combat hits. And so that is the core units. Now, the naiads are non-compulsory because uh, I, I just didn't know how balanced they were. So I, I figured uh, you, you've... And they shouldn't really be the main part of your army. They're more of a... I don't know, I could maybe make them special, but I wanted to give another core choice, I guess. Uh, then on to special, we have one plus Sisters of Avalorn. I just figured you should, you're playing the, the Ever, Court of the Everqueen. You should take the Sisters of Avalorn. You should be, at least have one unit of them. Uh, so I made them a one plus compulsory. The second special unit was the White Lions of Trace. Now, the reason why I have them in this section is because... Uh, the Shracian hunters that are the white lions, uh, they spend a lot of their time, well, hunting and hunting big beasts. And Avalorn has a real problem where the Anuli Mountains, that's the mountain range that kind of rings Althuan, is home to all sorts of crazy beasts. And these things wander down all the time and start causing mischief in Avalorn as well as in other realms. And I figured if any outside elf force was going to be in Avalorn in strength that the Everqueen could quickly call on, it would probably be the White Lions uh, because of their, their monster hunting ways. And the last special choice is the Phoenix Guard. And the reason for this is simple. Uh, the Phoenix Guard uh, are the, the bodyguards of the uh, Phoenix King, of course, but they are kind of the sworn defenders of Ulthuan. Uh, in a pinch, they would be sent to help uh, defend the Everqueen as well if, if she requested them. So that's why they are in the special choices. And finally, for rare choices, we have the second unit that I made, which I, I didn't have time to kind of write fluff for, but it's uh, I've called them the Chosen of Aisha. And what they are is they are the Sisters of Avalorn mounted on unicorns as a monstrous cavalry unit uh, at 74 points per model. Uh, the only change that I have made to either of the unicorn profile or the Sister of Avalorn profile is that I have given them two attacks, the Sisters of Avalorn, because otherwise they just have one. And that's for monstrous cavalry, like that's just not really great. Uh, but they still have their bows and I've given them the option to carry spears as well so they can do the... Uh, the nice plus one strength on the charge, which they really, really need uh, if you're going to mount them on stuff. And the other rare choice, <laughs> the rare choices otherwise are all of the other high elf units, because you can think of pretty easy lore reasons for any one of them to, to be around, but not in great numbers. So that is my Court of the Everqueen. And uh, I'm, I quite like it. I think it's, it's, it's quite fluffy. I love it. Yeah, excellently done. It's um I would like to see this uh, at, at the back of the high elf army book. Um 
I mean, High Elves were one of those armies that did not get any lists in 6th edition for alternative armies. They, they did, of course, get the uh, Lodern Seaguard and Storm of Chaos, but not like uh, the Orcs, where you can have a Savage Orc Horde or a Snotling Horde and, and stuff like that. So, uh, they really should have it, and I think this list is a, is a great way to, to do that. Uh, I love what you wrote about the the Nyads counting tadpoles. That's uh, I uh, I really think that's uh, that shows how these spirits act on a entirely different level from the mere corporeal beings that the elves are. They they are um, they have very different priorities. And oh well, if we have to fight, we can do it. Uh, but yeah, uh, we'd rather count tadpoles. Very nice. <laughs> I I wanted to keep them different from from the dryads, uh, where where the dryads are are kind of kind of mean and nasty. I wanted the naiads to just be like just unconcerned with everything. They're like, all right, yeah, like yeah. we can do this for you, but you know, we're we're just gonna go back to our streams afterwards and and you know see see if any of the tadpoles have grown legs or anything like that. I just thought they were nice, um, as far as as a as a lore thing goes, and just yeah, to show definitely. the difference that that Avalorn. Uh, isn't quite the the you know the wild, untamed uh, nastiness that that Athel Lauren is. Just to to try and make that difference a little bit more uh, real for players, as far as in the lore goes. Yeah. So I well, uh, oh, go ahead. Thinking thinking along those lines. Um. Well, not not saying anything negative about the uh, Nyads, of course. But wouldn't it be uh, just as fluffy to presume that any dryads living in Avalorn would not be as nasty and as spiteful as those living in the old world in Avalorn? That's a really good point just that I never it thought is a of. Different forest and <laughs> yeah, 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 and they're 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 well connected by the world roots uh, that you you kind of learn in the 8th edition Wood Elf book, when they mention that they actually launched kind of an expedition to Avalorn uh, to help the Ever Queen during... It was one of those times when the Dark Elves were invading and they, they had uh, they had summoned uh, Nakari, the greater demon of Slanesh, and he was, he was really looking for the Ever Queen. He was going to get her. And the, the Wood Elves kind of helped her escape unbeknownst to the High Elves. And the... Um, yeah, so that that's actually a really good point. I never, yeah, I just didn't consider that at all that the dryads might just not be as hateful in Avalorn. But I, well, I think the, I, I like this as a four spirits. Yeah, yeah, and I, I just, do just include non-hateful dryads. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. true. So I, yeah, I, I like, it. I do like it as kind of keeping it something unique and something different. But I think you could easily make this army and. Uh, if you wanted to just follow the the ally rules in eighth edition and and ally in some some forest spirits from yeah. the wood elf book that way too if you wanted to do that if you didn't want to change around the rules like i have here i didn't want to make them as tough as the dryads just where either they're big barky ladies and the the naiads would be more kind of slip like and I, I thought the minus two to armor just because like the water seeps in there and they like choke you or like they for like the water goes down your throat and yeah i, just, I thought that was kind of a uh, a neat thing for them to have but not a game designer so i, <laughs> I have no idea if that would be balanced or not uh, i you think it's kind of cool uh, give them bread weapon as a unit just like uh, putting on the fire hose 
oh, I like that. That'd be a lot of fun. Just a a, a once per game breath weapon where they they just they soak yeah, you. Yeah, you just yeah. select any point in contact with uh, with one of the naiads in the front rank uh, in the front arc, and then uh, put down the teal drop template and. Everything gets uh, blasted away like one of those uh, water cannons they use to control rioters. Mm-hmm. That sounds like fun. I think you know, I might might have to play with this unit a little bit and see. I was just gonna leave them at a, at eleven points uh, because I, I thought I figured the minus one toughness made up for the the extra armor piercing rule there or thereabouts. Um, but I could I could see arguments kind of either way for that one. I really want to see more stuff on unicorns, I guess, <laughs> is, is what I found out making this army. Because I, I, I made this and I was just like, I, I was trying to think of creatures that would work for this. And the, the one that I landed on was the unicorn, just because, like, the unicorns are so pure and everything. And they're, they're mainly a wood elf thing by 8th edition. But in, in older editions, you could take them yeah, a lot I more armies. So yeah. I, I think, and I think they fit the high elves really well as well, so. I, I did kind of want to add them back in. Yeah, especially this nice summary eternal forest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's always it's always nice. They're always like having nice revelries and stuff. And yeah, it just seems like a really nice place to be. And yeah. It is basically a My Little Pony Warhammer list. <laughs> it really is. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think about that, but it is absolutely yeah. Oh no! Okay. Sorry, I I shouldn't uh, make fun of your list. It's it's really nice. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, no, I, I absolutely love it, mate. I didn't see it. I, though I am <laughs> now. Now I'm gonna have to make a special character that is just just a unicorn. I'll I'll have to name it after one of the ponies from My Little Pony. That's it. Then it's just memes. Then it's just memes. <laughs> uh, so let's let's move on to your final list here. Yeah. Well, this is also a. Well, a bit, a bit of a darker list, especially compared to yours. <laughs> well, um, mine was sunshine, rainbows, <laughs> and unicorns. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, so so mine is of course going to be uh, demons, beastmen, and cultists. Um, I had the idea of doing a chaos cultist army, which is basically uh, the the reasoning behind this is that there are a lot of secret chaos worshippers in the empire, and uh, if you I don't know if this is in the lore, but this is how I imagine it. If you are a, uh, a good enough worshipper of chaos, you might eventually be able to draw the attention of the chaos gods and actually uh, summon beast, uh, summon uh, demon, um, demons, and ally yourself with beastmen. And after I made this list, I realized, well, this is basically the Mordheim cult of the possessed, but then in an army form. So I uh, also included uh, one of the units from that list. What I did for Lords, you could have a... Uh, well, I, I'm not sure about these first two. I might scratch them in hindsight. But uh, I was thinking about the Greater Demon and a Demon Prince. Um, you could have a, a Corrupted Wizard Lord, which is basically your Chaos Sorcerer profile. But he has a Human Empire Lord. Uh, he may use any of the eight laws, assuming that he has trained in the uh, one of the colleges of magic in Altdorf. Um, or he may have the mark of a uh, chaos god and use the lore of that god. So you could have the, uh, for example, the mark of change on your wizard lord, which would be free because the mark of change would make you a wizard. And then he could also use the lore of change instead of 
the eight laws of the rule book. And your other lord would be uh, the cult leader, which is basically your empire general profile and, and points and options. That For heroes, nice. I would include a demonic herald, a, a corrupted wizard, which is your um, hero level chaos sorcerer profile, uh, and a cult lieutenant, which is your empire hero, and you could also have a war gore to uh, get the beastmen in there. For core units, you must have at least one unit of cultists, and I was thinking this could just be your regular run-of-the-mill empire militia, um, maybe with some more tentacles than the empire militia, but you can do a lot of fun things with those models to convert them. And you could also have archers um, as your core empire units. You could include uh, beast herds, and this is depending on which edition you play. I did not have really a specific edition in mind, so um, I mentioned it here, beast herds, but say gores and ungores. And uh, you could have the core demons uh, of the specific gods. Uh, the uh, bloodletters and fleshhounds for corn, the nurglings and plaguebearers for Nurgle, the horrors for Tsinch, and the demonets and the seekers for Slanesh. Um, not sure, by the way, if Seekers are core. I, I, I did this uh, off the top of my head. But there's something special about those core demons, because, uh, and, and we will get to that when we get to the army special rules. Because some of them may be core and others may be special. Uh, other special troops, the Empire State troops, but they may not have their detachments. Um, Bestigors, the demons of the uh, mark you did not choose, and the possessed, and they, I have not really thought about how to field those, maybe like monstrous infantry in, in units of 3+, plus, or maybe like the uh, Ogre Gorgers in, in a 1 plus unit, something like that. Uh, and for rare units, 0-1 uh, to one cannon, 0-1 to one mortar, uh, a unit of uh, well, I have your Bestigors, but of course, that's, uh, they should not be in here. I think I meant Minotaurs for those. And uh, your Chaos Spawn. This is a great idea for a list. And this isn't something that I've ever seen anyone do before, which is kind of hard to say because themed armies are yeah. not uncommon. People take this. What I really enjoy about this is this is a very infantry heavy force with a lot of different types of mixed infantry that would be very unique to play like it'd be it'd be challenging in some regards but in other regards it would be really fun and and interesting i think that's a a a great way to do a themed list like that is is even have your gameplay be a little bit more skewed or, or different there what a modeler's dream though this army is like i want to see <laughs> yeah. this army built just to see what it would look like because it'd be so much fun you mentioned the empire militia being yeah that's a, that's a modeler's dream right there that's just that kit on its own and then you start putting chaos bits on them and oh yeah yeah tentacles and claws and everything mhm mhm i i do so, see uh, your i do see your concern about putting the greater demons and the demon princes yeah, I, in there yeah I, I think they should not be in there in hindsight i i think i think maybe i would maybe do one or the other because you do have yeah. demon summoning, and it's a cool mechanic for an army like that. It makes perfect sense that you could have this cult uprising, especially once they've, you know, they've summoned in help from, from the the uh, the realm of chaos. I I do like the inclusion of demons in there. I think maybe yeah, one or the other. 
for the yeah, then, the... then I'll, I'll probably skip the greater demons and just hmm. keep the demon princess as uh, yeah, and as, as possible. Uh... Lore wise, you could you could really make an <clears throat> argument for either one there because a demon prince could easily be the the patron of a of a cult like that. Oh yeah, uh, and then yeah, you could you, you and I mean it's it's pretty easy to to get the the greater demon in there lore wise as well. But I I think I do prefer the the demon prince as far as the two goes. Yeah, and, and the idea behind this is also that um, most of these cultists are just your regular Empire citizens, but there are some soldiers, uh, and they can be formed into those uh, state troops, like a unit of halberdiers or a unit of handgunners or something like that. And that's why you can have a very limited amount of artillery. Yeah, and that makes perfect sense, right? They The, the first thing that... I would do if I was a uh, cultist planning to overthrow some town in the empire is uh, try to get access to wherever they store the cannons. Uh, so that's makes 100% sense. I really like the mix of beastmen in there too, because it gives it a more wild feel, right? As well. So it's, it's not just the humans, but then you've got the creatures of the forest coming in and it, it really speaks to, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of gene stealer cults in, in 40 K. Oh, yeah. specifically like the second ed ones where you could have allies for gene stealer cults that were chaos and so you had these really weird armies that could take shape that were just a mix of of things that that looked like normal humans you had the the gene stealer cults themselves so the uh acolytes and things that that were the the half and half human gene stealer mixed you had the pure strains but then you could also have stuff like beastmen and and uh chaos space marines and it just made for such a a, a wild looking force that yeah. you, you know your opponent can't help but be like i don't know how to prepare for this because you have just everything right it, it feels to me like that and it feels like it would be the greatest thing for narrative games and narrative campaigns like i already think of like a thousand different ways to <laughs> to run a game uh from mordheim all the way up to you know like a a giant warhammer game yeah a big siege battle yeah yeah and and you know the the idea of trying to to cut the head off of this cult before they're able to uh yeah. to to do their nefarious plans and if nothing works you've you've got a you know the the final battle is through the streets of the city as the you know the cults and the demons and the beastmen are there and they're you've got your beleaguered defenders trying to to rally at the center of the town and Oh man, yeah, it's just gorgeous in my head. That this should actually thing. be a special rule. I have some special rules for this army, but oh. I did not put 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 in one that um, when the cult leader dies, that uh, the whole thing falls apart, like it crumbles as a uh, uh, as an undead army would, something like that. Your your troops run away. Uh, uh, that's a rule that should be in there. Yeah, yeah, something like the old fifth ed panic check rule when your general yeah. died for them uh yeah, and, and, be a nice or, one. and the demons unit has to test yeah the demons take instability tests or something yeah that would be really good that would be nice yeah, yeah. and very so, thematic so what i have thought of for this army in um uh, uh special rules are the following uh i had uh, even when i think about when i thought about putting in the uh, demon prince and the great demons I still needed the general to be either a cult leader or a cult lieutenant, so it must be a human general. And this general must have the mark of one of the four chaos gods. 
and all the demons that belong to that god are core and all the demons that do not belong to that uh, that god are special so if you have a uh, general with the mark of corn you can have blood letters and flesh hounds in your core units but your demonettes and your your uh, pink horrors they are special um any unit may be given the mark of the same god the general has or otherwise has the mark of chaos undivided and if your general has the mark of corn then all wizards in the army automatically have the mark of chaos undivided and a mark of change is uh, free for wizards because it just allows them access to that uh, change lore and does not give them any upgrades so uh, the reasoning behind this is that uh, this chaos cult is not just we are worshiping chaos but they are specifically worshiping one of the four greater powers i'm not sure if that's really fluffy or or anything but uh, i thought that this might be a cool way to play this and yeah. I also wanted to give those uh, wizards, uh, like you said, the, these demons are summoned. I wanted to give them the option to summon demons. So I gave them a spell. During the magic phase, a wizard may attempt to summon d6 of the bloodletters, plague bearers, horrors, or demonettes on a 7 plus. These may be added to a unit of the same type or form a new unit. The wizard can choose to increase its value to 11 plus for 2d6 or to 15 plus for 3d6 of the chosen demons or a herald. So you could summon a hero there. Uh, if the wizard has the mark of Nurgle slash Siege, um, Nurgle slash Orth Siege, and he summons the demons specific to that god, he may add an extra d6 of those demons. Or when summoning a herald, give him 50 points worth of equipment and or chaos gifts. Undivided wizards add an extra d3 when summoning blood letters, just to give the corn demons a little bit of extra. And may give a herald of corn up to 50 points of items and or gifts if they choose to summon him. Then when the wizard dies, any new units that he summoned automatically return to the realm of chaos, so these are just gone. But models added to existing units are otherwise unaffected. And a final rule uh, that I had given them is root out the heretics. Human chaos cultists hate any unit from the Empire Army book, and similarly, any Empire unit gains hatred when fighting the chaos cultist army, even when fighting the non-Empire units. Neat, neat. I like those special rules. It really makes your character, this army, your characters are so pivotal. To, to the army, especially if you add in the uh, yeah the, bit with the, the general the dying rule. yeah yeah and I I, I like that it, it, again it's yeah, it's very it's very thematic that these this cult is is organized around these these personalities and if they die you know it very quickly falls apart and and uh, the cultists start start worrying about oh boy like is this this is not gonna work out for us. And the demons start disappearing. It'd be a really interesting army to to play and play against. I think if you were going to go for the route that it has to be devoted to a single god, then I might limit the demons from the other gods even further. I might even have them be rare choices or just non-accessible. Um, just I I I feel like that would be i don't I don't think that would be too harsh on this army 
maybe maybe as rare choices. Idea, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, I don't want to say, like, you can't have them at all, but I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like they should be... Maybe then scratch the Minotaurs and put in the Demons of the Other Mark in the, in the rare categories. I could see that, yeah. And, and Minotaur, they're... They they tend to be kind of deeper woods and guarding shrines and yeah. stuff, and I, I I can see them with with beast herds, of course. But uh, yeah, as far as like the cultists go, I could see them being joined by the more the more human esque beastmen. Uh, so I, I I would like that as a as kind of a compromise there for sure. Although I mean I hate leaving out Minotaur because I mean Minotaur. Are fun, yeah, they are so cool. <laughs> you, you, I suppose not every list can have every single thing. So um, yeah, no, this is a fantastic list. I would uh, I would love to see the types of uh magic items that that you could come up with it with for this as well some kind of sacrificial dagger i think is a must and oh yeah uh, you know maybe use it on uh kind of like the dark elves can in i think it's seventh or eighth edition where they can yeah to, to gain extra power dice yeah something, yeah right? something like that right just just have that sorcerer just shove it into the nearest cultist and uh help, help with his next role for summoning demons or something i think that'd be a good one for him Ah. Or, or or some item that will um on a roll of a d6 like like this caven brew that can either do nothing or it can turn your character into a spawn or into a possessed and give him extra chaos gifts or something like that oh yeah this is a perfect army for those sillier random items Be- yeah because the... a bit like the, the eye of the gods uh yeah options. yeah oh you know, it'd be fun. Some way for them to access that role on the Eye of the Gods. Maybe an item could do that. Oh, yeah, uh, that allow nice. a, a regiment or a character a, a role on the Eye of the Gods and see where they end up. Because, you know, every now and then you could, yeah, you could get that Demon Prince. You could get that spawn. Uh, or you could just get a, a, a pseudo-useful <laughs> uh, upgrade. And for the first time in forever, that plus one ballistic skill result on eye of the gods might actually come into play <laughs> might be useful yeah, yeah. <laughs> always give a general a bow just in case oh this yeah. is a, a fantastic list of all of the armies that that we've come up with today i think this is the one i would most like to see done as a hobby project i think this is something that would be so much fun you'd be a real labor of love with this kind of thing and uh just make some really bizarre and and odd stuff. I'd love to see the way that the cultists turn out with their their you know random little mutations and things. And I I'd love yeah, to see a corrupted and, uh, like... a corrupted. Oh, you know you know what would be cool if you just when you are making this unit roll on that D one thousand table in the realm of chaos books that you love so much. I mean it it would be, but be <laughs> be prepared. Be prepared yes. for the modeling options you might be signing up for if you do that. Because if you get something like I got with the uh, Siamese twin, then, you know, just I, I don't know what you do, but I, I guess you you get a second model and you start cutting them together. It would be so much fun. And if I was a better modeler, it'd be the type of thing that I would absolutely be all about. If I was the better modeler, every time I did one of those Realm of Chaos episodes, I would be I would be making up that champion. But alas, my skills are not quite up to snuff for making uh uh, double-bodied beastmen with uh, that can breathe fire and have dragon heads. <laughs> I just, I don't even know where to start on that one. But yeah, yeah. I love that idea. Start small, green mm-hmm. stuff. Where where you could get into it though, if you wanted to be a little less crazy, is the design a 
uh, item rules in those Realm of Chaos books. And you could uh, you could roll randomly and just see what kind of uh, magical demon weapon or something that you could uh, you oh, could yeah, get out of that. Oh yeah, that's also nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, GJ, I think we have done a fantastic job today, and I think we should eagerly await the uh, six figure job offers that are coming our yes, way as yes. uh, army uh, designers. At the very least. Uh... At the very least, exactly. Yeah. I mean. I, I wanted to say six because I didn't want people to feel bad, but it's it, let's face it, it's going to yeah, be seven. Yeah. It's going to be seven. Well, yeah, well, s- s- seven Canadian figures, right? Oh yeah, I'll, well, I'll settle I... for six European figures. Okay, okay, yeah, that's fair. You're, you're probably going to have to if that's the case. <laughs> uh, yeah, this has been so much fun. I really like this. I think we'll have to we'll have to revisit this another time because I'm already swimming with ideas now. I think I have more ideas than before we we did this and. And aired oh, awesome. these ones. Yeah, so. I'd love to see some more ideas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Love to see uh, some community ideas too. So if you've if you've got any, I was any... just going to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've got any ideas, uh, send them our way. Oh, I'd m- love maybe to know... an army that you've made with with oh. lovely models and oh, my converted goodness. scale sculptists. Yes, be still my heart. If you if you want to send you know beautiful themed army pictures to me, that's that's great. I love that. Uh, you can you can send me. Well, not not anything, but just about anything over at uh, uh, wargamesorchard at gmail.com. And uh, if you'd uh, like to uh, like to drop us a line and, and tell us what kind of crazy themed armies that you have made over the years, or even just the rules that you've made up, uh, certainly let us know. I, I think, well, these are, of course, just some basically back of the envelope army lists, but just thinking about them and and, and discussing them with you here it's opening up so much possibilities so many possibilities that that's uh, we should really revisit this at some point in the future Mm -hmm. maybe in like 30 years when we've depleted every other warhammer topic but maybe sooner yeah Uh, one thing that i'll mention I, i don't know it might be next week's episode actually is uh gonna be with Joe from Flail of Skulls. He's going to join us, and uh, he's gonna. We're gonna talk uh, a little bit about their project that they're doing, where they are remaking Warhammer Fifth Edition, but doing some balance changes, basically making yes. a Flail of Skulls version of Fifth Edition. And uh, so I might pick his brain on on some army design things and uh, see see what what he would design if he if he could. And I I suppose he can because uh, they're they're making their own edition, so they can do whatever they want. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so t- stay tuned for that, and that's going to do it for this episode. Until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the War Games Orchard. If you enjoy the show, why not join us on Patreon? There you'll gain access to all of our bonus content for any level of donation. It's a great way to help us keep going and enjoy extra Orchard content. If Patreon's not your thing please consider giving us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice and sharing this show with friends. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on Facebook at The Warhammer Orchard and The War Games Orchard, or by email at wargamesorchard at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs>